1: The Browns and Bills play in Detroit. The weather's all over the place. How can the Browns win? Well, Sal Capaccio from WGR five hundred and fifty is going to tell us that Luke Sawhuck with fantasy football tips, my own fantasy football advice, and our NFL bets coming right up now on the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. Turn up your volume.
0: Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to
1: the sick, the sick podcast with Andy McNamara, the sickest Cleveland Browns podcast. Cut back by Chubb. He's to the 10. He's still running to the five. He dips outside left. He's going in. Touchdown. What a run. Nick
2: Chubb. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick.
1: And if you're a Browns fan, you better hope that you're hearing a whole lot of Nick Chubb running the ball handing the ball into him and just just not giving it up and giving in to the pass that Kevin Stefanski has done so often this season boy this is the last straw Browns fans this is it you got to pull off up an upset against Buffalo the weather's crazy game moved to Detroit we'll talk in just a moment with Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 about that get the Bills perspective and, and what all this weather this craziest means Luke Sawhook fantasy football conversation he's from mojo we'll chat with him a little bit later on my hashtag ask andy fantasy football questions get those in my sick picks nfl best bets for week 11 and my three downs for browns victory that is all coming up make sure you're following us on twitter at sickpodbrowns at andymc81 like and subscribe on the youtube channel but let's bring him in right now he is he is inside and safe as far as i know it is bill's beat and sideline reporter From WGR 550 in Buffalo, Sal Capaccio. Sal, welcome, sir.
2: How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks. I am inside. I'm safe. I'm warm. But honestly, outside my house right now, it's fine. As I sit here and talk to you this afternoon on a Friday, it is coming here to the city. We're going to get hit. But if you go literally outside here behind me, probably about 12, 13 miles, that's where the stadium is. Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, and they're getting pummeled right now. And wow. it's like you can't drive anywhere. You can't get people in and out. It's it's a horrible situation. Well, and that's
1: what we were hearing, right? The, the governor of the state sh- uh, shutting down commercial highway traffic coming in and, and all that. And we've seen bad weather games before. But what, what was the difference, South for them to say, okay, this needs to get moved? Because this happened, I think, 2014. Because yep. usually, you know, you got blizzards and all that. But was it was it purely like there's going to be so much so fast that the public safety was the main thing?
2: 100%. That's exactly what it is. So, okay. 2014, the exact same day by the way, to the day oh. in 2014, which is incredible when this happened. It's the same kind of confluence of events as far as weather now. People in Cleveland know what lake effect snow is like. <laughs> you know yeah. that. Your stadium sits right there on the lake too. Um we get it really bad here in Buffalo obviously and you know, it's such a weird deal where you can literally have a line of demarcation like I said. If I go 3 miles that way, I'm going to start hitting the snow big time, big snow wall. Here there's not much and then it's going to change, it's going to shift. But what happened was the models were saying, "Hey, this is going to be such a big impactful event that it's going to be no driving. We kick it in medical personnel, essential personnel, security, EMS. What happens? It's not about playing the game. That's what people yeah. fail to understand here. This is not about playing a football game. I mean, honestly on Sunday, Andy, it's probably going to be sunny and the snow is not going to be falling from the sky in Orchard park. And people are going to be like, are you kidding me? How'd you not play a game? <laughs> well, the reason is because you couldn't get people in and out of the town of Orchard park. And the safety has to come first to the community. I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is why you should have a dome. It's a separate conversation if we should have a dome or not. But I'll tell you this: if there was a dome here, this game would still be moved. It's not about the playing surface. It's not about where they're playing. It's about safety and people and in and out and travel.
1: Yeah, that's a terrific point. If it was just weather, if it was just coming down to, not a problem. We saw the what was the the blizzard game with the Browns eight nothing Cleveland one I think two thousand seven. That was wild. Yes.
2: That was yes. Wild. I remember it. We've talked a lot about it on our radio station this week, yeah. WTR, and um. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was Derek Anderson against Trent Edwards. Uh, Jamal Lewis ran all over the Bills. Uh, the Bills had a chance at the end. They kind of drove down, and you saw Fred Jackson, a swing pass, like trying to sludge through it on a fourth yeah. down. Snap went over Brian Mormon's head. He kicked it out of the end zone. It was a wild day, and the wind in that game, too, was really fierce.
1: Well, I remember, Sal, in that game, Phil Dawson, the Browns kicker at the time, said afterwards, because he he's almost like a, a mini, like, meteorologist, and he said he had to aim, I forget how many feet, but to the left. So the ball had to... Hook. So he was miss. He was
2: aiming away from the upright. <laughs> That's how. Phil goes. Dawson in that game. I mean, two of the most incredible kicks I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. you're right. To to be able to do it in that situation, um, was pretty incredible. And you know, you remember the um when the Patriots went in Vinatieri in the snow, right? On uh, the 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 Tuck rule and all that. And he, yeah. it, it was really reminiscent of those kicks for Phil Dawson in that game. It was pretty tough. So look, I mean, um, this game is not going to have that now. We know that uh, it's going to be in Detroit. It's going to be in a c- climate controlled environment. But I will tell you, Andy, as I sit here today, I am on the team charter. I'm part of the team's radio broadcast. I'm the sideline reporter. So I fly out with the team. We are scheduled to leave Saturday afternoon. As of right now, that Mm. might be challenging not to get out of the airport, which there's going to be a window to do that, I think, to get players from Orchard Park, where they live, where I just talked about, to the airport. That's going to be the challenge, and no one really knows how that's going to happen. In 2014, they literally had people on snowmobiles picking them up at their house and getting them out of where the snow was to get them somewhere to transport them to the airport. Wow. Wow.
1: I I, I wonder, is there a world where if that can't happen, the NFL would move the game to Monday
2: potentially Yeah, like do it that- here because the bills play Thursday, the bills play on Thanksgiving in Detroit in Detroit.
1: Yes. Oh man. Yeah. That could be real sticky. Then interesting.
2: And then so- the other part of this is I, I just add this. People say, well, then they should just stay in Detroit all week. No, no, no. Look by Sunday, you're going to have enough of everything cleared where the bills are going to be able to come home. And it makes more yeah. sense to do that in a short flight instead of state. The logistics of staying in Detroit would be way worse and way more balancing of different things you have to do than actually just coming home and doing what you normally do and then fly back out on Wednesday. Like you normally would for a Thursday game.
1: Yeah. And we're not talking a cross country to California. Correct. Because, you know, Correct. it's not, not that far at all. So what's your vibe around the team with this sort of chaos? Are we playing here, there Has this uh, had any effect disruption for, Uh, practice. I'm really reaching as a Browns, Browns fan here, Sal, give us something to to maybe throw the bills off a little bit. Has this disrupted them in any
2: way that you feel is going to be tangible? Well, I think it can't always do that, right? There's no doubt. I would say this though. Um, I think the bills have the perfect coach for something like this. Sean McDermott never gets too high. Never gets too low. He has everything, everything buttoned up. There's not anything that goes on in that organization or around it that he doesn't know about that. He's not prepared for. He's not ready for. doesn't mean he's perfect. Of course not. Right but these are these are things that nothing takes him by surprise. He's guaranteed he's planned for this. He's on top of every department, every single thing that goes on. So I think to have a coach like that in this organization, um, you know, in this position and situation is really beneficial. I think that's why in 2020, I think the Bills hand, handled the COVID year as good as anybody because of all the sure. all, all the disruptions and stuff. And you know, the Bills kind of just did what they did and, you know, a lot of teams had a little more challenging situation with that whether they had COVID or not with all the Zoom meetings and things like that. And that's what they did. So but there's always a chance of disruption. There's always a chance. You have players who've never been through this. They're going to be worried about their family. That's something Sean said uh, on his sure. Zoom call on Friday, which is one of the reasons they wanted they, that they kind of made sure that they didn't like get people to the airport last night on Thursday night or Friday is they want players to be in a good mind space when they leave about their families and say, like, you, they're okay. And he's thinking of all those things ahead of playing this game.
1: Right. Very smart. In conversation with uh, Sal Capaccio from WGR 550, Bill's sideline and beat reporter. Okay, so let's talk about Josh Allen. And I've been a Josh Allen fan since the, before the draft. And I thought, and I've said this to you on, on different shows in the past, where I don't know if there's a better quarterback in recent memory who has steadily progressed from being as raw as he was. People forget. This was like, the he, he was either going to be a top ceiling or a complete bust. And if he didn't end up in that situation in Buffalo, went to the Jets or the Browns for that matter, he could have gone south either way. But the way he's progressed has been phenomenal. We know how good he is now. But the last three games, multiple interception games, is he trying to do too much? What's
2: What's been off? We know there's the elbow, but what, what's been off with him? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's him trying to do a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I think the best way to describe it is Josh is such a competitor and he believes in every single throw that he can make, and he can. We all know that, right? he, I think he's almost like trying to win the Super Bowl in every play, right. Instead of just fighting for another day sometimes. And what's weird is that's what he was early in his career. But he wasn't like that the last couple of years. That's what's made him great is kind of knowing and being smarter. He hasn't been as smart lately. That's really as simple as what it comes down to. And he knows Josh has actually been very, very good at self-correcting over the years as well. So I think that he'll get that corrected. He'll understand that. Um, But that's been the issue. And you're right about, he made this incredible leap. It's such a unique leap that. I think it's so unfair to young quarterbacks now who continually get compared to him in that regard. I mean, every single time, Andy, how many times you see it? You see it up on the graphic on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, we're like, well, through this many games, look at Josh Allen and look at this guy. Well, that means he's on the same track. No, no, no. Pretty much every young quarterback can be compared to Josh in his first two years because Josh wasn't that good in his first two years. But then he made this historic leap, um, and you really don't see that. It's unfair to those quarterbacks to be able to do that. And I would say it the same way, which is, I think if Josh was drafted by the New York Jets, he would not be Josh Allen. No, no way. I'm not no. saying he'd bust out. He wouldn't be Josh Allen. I think if Sam Darnold was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, he'd still probably be their quarterback. He wouldn't be Josh Allen, but I think he'd have a chance to be mm-hmm. a legitimate starter in the NFL. I think the difference is, why I say that, we've really seen the way this organization develops players, the plan they have for them. They've been very good at that over the last five years under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I mean, I've covered this team through. Four or five regime changes. Grew up watching this team through all the Super Bowl years, the drought, everything. And I will tell you, drafting and player development, both of those are as good as they've ever been right now in this in this organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. It's kind of the blueprint of boy, if you follow this, they consist, but good consistency, and that's where the Browns yeah. have been sort of in trouble. Where. You're Okay, this is year three. You're consistent with the regime, with the mindset, whatever. But if it's not working, then it doesn't help to be consistent. What's your outside look at this Browns team? Because on paper, this roster should be nowhere near 500. They should be above it. They've lost a two, three close games. Could easily be the other way. You have the Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett. What's your look coming in of where this team is right now?
2: Well, I agree with everything you said about they have so much talent. They shouldn't be in the position they're in. They have a lot of talent. We know that. I, I think Stefanski did a really nice job over the last couple of years to steady the ship. That's for sure. I think he's shown that he's a very good offensive mind. There's no doubt about that. Probably does get away from the run game a little bit too much when they need to lean on it a little bit more. I will say I, I've always been a Jacoby Brissett fan, if you will, of, I've always said when the bills were looking for a backup a couple of years ago, I kept saying, Hey, Jacoby Brissett, you know, you lose, you lose your starter. This guy can win you some games, right? He's, he's good enough. He's a good enough level backup quarterback. So, And from the outside, I don't think he's cost the team games, maybe one, I mean, where he didn't play very well. But otherwise, I don't think it's necessarily been on him. You know, he's done enough to try and win games. I think defensively, that's been very disappointing, right? A lot of the talent they have on defense, it just hasn't showed up secondary, uh, especially. But now lately, the run game, obviously, they're not stopping the run. Um, We know that. You know, one of the differences is I think as you get, you just pointed to the one score games. That's actually happened here in Buffalo a little bit. And it's been a bit weird because it's not normal under Sean McDermott. And I think individually it's, you could probably find reasons, but I think that does point to something a lot of times, if you have that happen, it is because you're just not as buttoned up in the details as you need to be. And that goes to coaching and that goes to, um, you know, how that information and education is being disseminated across the organization to close out games. we got 13, 13 seconds here in Buffalo is one of them people talk about, is that, you know, something like that you have to think about. So I think historically Sean's been very good at that here. I think the book is still out if that's something on Stefanski that maybe they're just not as buttoned up in those situations and throughout the week as you need to be, to be detail oriented. So obviously running the ball, they're great at running the ball. Nick Chubb is amazing. They have a really incredible offensive line, including Wyatt Teller who we know very well here in Buffalo. So I think from the outside looking in, it does feel like, Hey, this team should be better. They were supposed to just try to stay afloat until Deshaun Watson came back, but it doesn't even seem like that's really kind of the case.
1: No, they'll they'll have to, they have to win this weekend. That's going to be a tough go. I don't really see the Buffalo Bills as talented as they are losing three in a row. Uh, one more for you, Sal. The run game in Buffalo. We know it's really led by Josh Allen. And that kind of goes back to maybe him doing too much. The Devin Singletary, sort of an afterthought. But what stands out to me is we saw in Miami last week where the Browns lost. Miami's not a running team. Well, they were last week. <laughs> they sure were. Right. Right? They're a throwing team. They're a pass first team. And then you had Jeff Wilson. And Raheem Moster at will because of the Browns, smaller linebacker core, and that they really punted on talent at the position in uh, this offseason at the defensive tackle spot. Do you see the Buffalo Bills trying to follow that blueprint at all as far as like, hey, you know what? Pff, maybe save Josh. Let, let old Devin Singletary run a, run a bit.
2: I do. I think the Bills will try to do that. But the Bills are not a team to just take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, and nor should they be, right? I mean, you right, know, he's right. Josh Allen. Yeah, But I do think because of the way the Browns have struggled at stopping the run and the way the bills kind of, there's a, a lot of talk here lately about you got to be able to run the ball better outside of Josh. Look, they've actually been pretty efficient. Devin Singletary's had like five yards of carry over the last like four or five games. He's very, been very efficient, but by volume, they're not handing him the ball. And again, not that you want to, you have Josh and Josh has been a big part of the run game, but I think because of people talking about that, because of Josh's elbow and because of the struggles of the Browns, I do think they'll try to establish the run game in this game. I think they'll try to say, look, We're going to run the game. We're going to control the ball, control the game with the run game here against the Cleveland Browns. And then obviously, you know, let Josh still do what he does. It's not, you can't, you don't have to make Josh a game manager in any retro, in any way to speak. Um, I think what you have to do though, is take a little bit off his shoulders to say, you can lean on the run game a little bit more. We can control the game a little bit more, and that will open up what he needs to do in the pass game as well. Maybe, you know, DFS streamer play for fantasy football, little Devin Singletary. Yeah, yeah and look, he's, the Bills have actually thrown to the running backs more this year than they have over the last few years. That's one big change from Ken Dorsey, from Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey. Like, Singletary's been involved in the passing game. The running backs have been involved in the passing game. They got Naeem Hines now, right? So yeah. I do think Singletary is a um, a good play. He actually, you know, he scored two touchdowns last week. Those were his first two rushing touchdowns of the year. Wow. Um, you go back to last year, he didn't have any, and then all of a sudden he exploded in the second half of the year. The last five, six games, he had a bunch of them. Maybe that's something they're going to start shifting towards again is trying to maybe get that ground game going, especially in the red zone. One area, if you're playing fantasy, I think that's really hurt players, uh, hurt the Bills and their players as well. The Bills have been bad in the red zone this year, and they've not been a bad red zone team. A lot of that is Josh turning the ball over. But I wonder now, do they turn a little bit more to the run game, go a little bit different personnel? And maybe that's where Devin also can get you those six points instead setting, having Josh Vulture those rushing touchdowns away. There
1: you go, folks. Devin Singletary. We're playing him. We're putting him in the lineup this week. Sal, listen, stay safe, of course. Safe, safe travels. And thank you so much for stopping in today. All right. Thank you very much. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody as well. All right. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. There he is, the great Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 in Buffalo. Absolutely love Sal. Such great content uh, on his Twitter, at Sal Sports. Covers the bills and, and uh, really just NFL talk as well. He's uh, absolutely tremendous. So love having Sal on and chatting with him for sure. Uh, great guy. All right, people, okay? We talked with Sal. We got the Buffalo side. I want to get to my three downs, three downs to victory for the Cleveland Browns, okay? And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to paint the same picture that would have worked in Miami against the Dolphins, okay? We're going to paint that same picture, but now really what you have to look at is the same type of mindset, but elevated, escalated. Like I just was going over with Sal. Uh, the Miami Dolphins last week were not a running team at all. We Weren't interested in running. Well, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert look like well, Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris from the Dolphins uh, from the 70s. The Browns have a way to make stars out of guys who shouldn't be stars in different parts of games. They did that for the running back, and that's why I bring up the Devin Singletary part is just so dangerous as well as of course, Josh Allen himself. So really, if you're the Browns, you have to, my, my first talent, you got to stop the run. Stefan Diggs is going to be that power guy. That's the funnel. That's the funnel on it. Okay. So Stefan Diggs is going to be the main pass guy. Gabe Davis's targets have gone way down. It's Stefan Diggs and it's Josh Allen being creative. You have to find a way to stop that run. Okay. And how do you stop that run? You have to think outside of the box, outside of that stupid analytic sheet and whoever's feeding uh, Kevin Stefanski that information down from the booth. Okay, You have to adjust. The adjustment needs to be because the Bills will run right up the gut. Josh Allen can do it. Devin Singletary can do it. First down, stop the run. And Josh Allen can beat your butt easy enough with his arm. Don't get me wrong there. Stop the run. Make him one-dimensional. And you do that by being creative on that defensive line. Move Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney in. Move them inside. If the Bills tried to go the Miami route, and if I was them, I would just start. Why not? Clog that middle. Then you got to worry about those edgeless perimeters. Okay? Make sure Josh Allen doesn't get around the edge. Stop the run. Second down. Run the ball. Again. And don't give up on the run. There's a two-part combo. Not just run it. Don't give up on it. You have six plays. Nick Chubb six six carries second half. What? Your best player? Because you're down. Because you panicked and you got away from the run. I don't care if the Bills put everybody in 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 that clump in the middle. Well, guess what you do then, Kev Stefanski. Maybe you do a pitch out to the outside. Maybe let Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt try to get an edge. Don't slam it up the middle. Why am I like? This is not hard stuff. Do that, not just run up what A gap, B gap. If they're blocking that, switch it up, but get the ball in your playmaker's hands, please. Toss, pitch, chub, hunt. Feels like we're saying the same thing. Why don't they do it? Is it stubborn? Is it that the analytics spreadsheet doesn't say it? I don't know. Down two to win is you run the ball. And what that, of course, does in turn is controls the clock and goes on long drives. Because just like with Miami, we were saying last week, and again, elevated and escalated. You got to keep that ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Big time. Fewer touches, the better. Fewer drives, the better for Buffalo. Run it. Use it and get creative again. Maybe those extended run plays where it's a little toss in space. Give them space if they're clogged up. They're still banged up. Bills are still banged up. White's not playing. Uh, Moreno, the linebacker is going to be questionable. You got some pieces missing there. I'm not saying they're going to be easy by any stretch, but there's ways to do it. And then third down is better third down play calls on offense for the Browns. These three, these third down plays, especially third and medium, third and long, are horrendous. You can read what's going to happen before the ball is snapped super easy if you're a Browns fan watching. This is what happens your third and seven. You know, Jacoby Brissett's going to get the ball out of shotgun. There's going to be no running backs. So you can't even give the illusion of running. Uh, he's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to look and he's going to be sacked. Uh, simple. Same at the end of games. It seems if the ball's between the 40s, and you just saying, "Oh, if you got a couple, got a couple more yards here in field goal range," to a man, he gets sacked, or throws it away, or does not have a, a positive play. Better three down plays. How about you do what the Miami Dolphins did last week? How about you keep it simple? No this razzle dazzle on every play. I would have a guy for the Browns, Kareem Hunt. Pick your pick, whoever you like. Always a short option. How often do you see the Miami Dolphins, the team that beat the Browns, Patriots even, whatever? You got a guy, simple slant or simple down and in, nice and short, so that Jacoby Brissett, go through his reads. No, no, yep, out. And Jacoby's bad at processing quickly. That's the other problem. Bad at processing quickly. So that's where we really have to watch and say, okay, how do we get better third down play production? Simple ball out of the hands. That's what you do. You move the ball. You keep the ball and play going. And you keep the ball, more importantly, out of the hands of the Buffalo Bills. All right. That's my three downs. Let's get to some fantasy football talk here, folks. I'll get back to Bills versus Browns in a few minutes. I'm going to bring on my guy, Luke Sawhook from Mojo. He does a great job. NFL contributor. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's all over the place. And he's wearing his Steelers gear. Oh, look. I had to. Oh, look.
0: I had to wear it, I like it. it. For anyone watching, I'm a nice uh, Steelers fan. It's okay. I'm very non-biased in my analysis. Right. I've lived in Cincinnati my entire life, so I've, I'm subject to rival team torture always. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty used to it. I have pretty thick skin when it comes to that kind of thing. But, yeah, how's it going, man? Nice to see you.
1: Yeah, good to see you, buddy. Oh, the Super Bowl. I'm going to be looking right at
0: that. Oh, yeah, boy. Oh,
1: Jeez, <laughs> cut the feed, Sammy. No, I'm just kidding. Luke, great to have you on, buddy. I, I want to learn more. Tell you can tell us about Mojo. Yeah, for in sure. A little bit, but let's get to uh, NFL. You know, Week 11, and we're at in fantasy football leagues. It's uh, we're at the point where you know trade deadlines are probably this weekend, or if not, the week after, and we're getting real close. Uh, bye weeks, of course, are a factor this week. No Dolphins, no Seahawks, no Buccaneers, and no Jaguars. So some serious meat off the fantasy barbecue there. Yes, uh, sir. When we're, we're looking at this week, uh, give me a couple of plays that you like as far as like guys who maybe for streaming were missing quarterbacks or missing receiver help. Is there one or two guys really jump off the page to you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to start with tight end, actually. Uh, some recent news that's been happening, I think, since you've been live about 23 minutes here. Oh. Uh, Mark Andrews is a game day decision, not game time, but coming down to okay. Sunday, whether or not he's active. Uh, so Isaiah likely is only rostered in 18% of leagues. He's worth a pickup right now. If, you're, if you are in need of tight ends help, as so many people are, if you don't have like Travis Kelsey or one of like the top five tight ends, you definitely are looking to the waiver wire almost every week for a streaming option. And um, I think that Isaiah likely could be a guy who could go in your lineup and get you, you know, at least like eight points. I think if Mark Andrews goes out, I think he's a lock for like, at least like eight points. Uh, has an up, you know big upside there too. The tight end role for the Ravens. Uh, there's a lot of meat on the bone there for fantasy football. In terms of other starts, I mean, Justin Fields is going to go nuclear again this week against the Falcons. Let's go. Unpopular opinion, I think after this week when he goes nuclear again, if you have two quarterbacks and you have another good option, it might be a good time to sell high on Fields. I don't know. I don't want to be that guy. But, I mean, if you look at his schedule, he has performed really well against a couple good teams. He had a good game against the Patriots defense. Great. Had a good game against the Cowboys defense, which is really good. Great. Mm Great. Then he played the Dolphins, which is, like, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Went nuclear. Went nuclear last week against the Lions, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And he's going to go nuclear again against one of the worst defenses in the NFL in Atlanta. But then after that, he plays the Jets. Tough defense. Mm-hmm. Packers, eh, decent matchup. I mean, Tana had a pretty good game this past week. And then the Eagles, really tough matchup. And then the Bills, really tough matchup. But the good news is, in the championship week for fantasy, they're playing the Detroit Lions. And he's going to go absolutely hamburger. Oh. Right. But, you know, it's just something to consider. Um, as far as other streaming plays go, I don't really have anybody that crazy. I like Isaiah Pacheco a lot this week. He's probably not on your waiver wire. Got some deeper guys. I mean, he's playing the Chargers. They have a pretty bad rush defense. Uh, Pacheco had a lot of work this past week. I believe it was 18 carries for around 100 yards, 90 yards. Um, I think he's the RB1 there. And I, I have a pretty decent feeling that he's going to have at least an opportunity to get a touchdown at some point in that game.
1: Luke, let's go back to the Bears and what I'm liking for this week. Um, how, and we talked about how thin that tight end position group is for fantasy. It's just a, a terror. It's, it's awful. How about a little Cole Komet, Justin Field stack, uh, right? Cole, like finally, my God, you got rid of Jimmy Graham and there was still nothing at the front. And now the last few weeks, it seems like that they're rising together. Boy, a nice DFS right. Cole Komet to Justin Field stacks would be pretty tasty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like Cole Komet a lot as a player. I think he's pretty talented. It just hasn't really come to fruition yet with Justin Fields. I don't know if it's going to be consistent production, game in, game out. It seems to be he's very tied, uh, touchdown dependent, as a lot of players in fantasy are. Um, but I do like him. You know, I actually played him last week and I enjoyed his 23-point game. He outscored Travis Kelsey, who my opponent had, which was marvelous. Uh, so, yeah, definitely don't mind throwing Cole Kivet in your lineups this week. He's probably going to have another game where he's going to at least get some red zone targets. And that's what's been making him so valuable lately.
1: What about, and let's talk a couple matchup specifics here. Because um, I've been getting a bunch of questions in on, on social media. I'm sure you have as well. As far as anything involving the Jets versus the Patriots this week, I am terrified of Luke. Like, this is, I, I think it is of Zach Wilson's 16 career interceptions, seven have come versus the Patriots. This just seems like if you can stay away I know we li- I like Garrett Wilson as much as the next guy, but if I have a choice I'm personally staying away from as many jets as possible. What about you?
0: Yeah I mean I definitely don't like playing them against New England I don't think anyone likes playing anyone against New England uh, really you know it's, it's always a boring gross game it's yeah. no gonna try to take away your best yeah. players uh, yeah Zach Wilson's gonna struggle I mean I don't mind playing Garrett Wilson as a flex I don't mind trying to flex one of the running backs Michael Carter. Uh, James Robinson, that's fine. Tyler Conklin, I think, is a fine play at tight end still. Um, Patriots, I mean, you're gonna wanna you're gonna play Ramondre. You're gonna play Jacoby Myers in the flex still, probably. Besides that, I don't think you want to play anyone from this game. But I mean, right. I don't have high expectations for those players, but I mean I still think they're all of flex quality at, at worst.
1: Now let's get to an AFC North battle. Bengals versus Steelers, where you live versus the gear you have on right now. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> now the Bengals coming back. We know fantasy-wise, usually a dream, right? We got yep, yep, you know, for sure. Ty, Tyler Boyd I've really liked as a jump up with Jamar Chase out. T Higgins, of course, Joe Mixon and, and Joe Burrow. Um, what about your Steelers, though? This is interesting because Najee Harris, the yards per carry, way down. Uh, Jalen Warren not given a whole lot of touches, but boy, when he does, like it just seems like he is – I still feel like we, we'd be guessing when he might break out, but it feels like if he's given a bit more, that guy could really pop.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I've actually tried uh starting to equate this situation to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard out in Dallas. Kind of more of an off-brand version, you know, they're both yeah. still young. But Najee Harris is the, the, the workhorse, bell cow, inefficient, high volume between the tackles, grinder, and Jalen Warren is similar to Tony Pollard, it's kind of the been the change of pace. Uh he comes in, he looks like he has a lot more juice. Definitely quicker, uh, he, he different running styles, too, with Najee and Warren, and that's that's another thing, too. Um, Najee did have a pretty good game this last week, I will say that. He's been banged up the entire year, uh, dealing with some knee discomfort this past week, but coming off the bye this past week, he had, a, he had his best game of the season by far against the Saints, arguably one of his best rushing games of his career. Uh, he actually had some big chunk yardage runs. If you know Najee Harris, that's extremely rare, but I totally agree. Uh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris are definitely something to watch. I think that both these guys could be capable of scoring around 10 fantasy points a game for the rest of the way. Warren's been getting a lot of receiving work, which has been nice. Um, yeah, he he just finds a way to make plays. It's a difference in the running style, too, as I just began yeah. to talk about. Najee's very patient. He likes to kind of get a little happy feet in the backfield, takes his time for less of holes to develop. But with the Steelers offensive line, it's never really any holes that develop. Like, like Le'Veon Bell could do that back in the day. Yeah. Days, like, yeah. Off the line. They don't now, so he's running into brick walls, whereas Jalen Warren is more your traditional C-hole, hit-hole, explosive running back, and it's been a lot more effective so far. So we actually saw Najee Harris kind of implement that a bit into his running style a bit more this past week, but I still think it's going to be a pretty even-ish split. Uh, I mean, I think Najee will obviously still be the starter, getting the majority of the touches, but Warren's certainly going to get his piece of the pie.
1: And we'll finish on uh, on this one. What about the Vikings versus the Cowboys? Flex to the 425 spot, the afternoon primetime game. Now, this is where it gets a little funny, Luke, because it's the the stigma of that Kirk Cousins always folds under the bright lines. Any any non 1 p.m. game, he collapses, it seems. Now even 425? It's four they moved it to four twenty-five.
0: Do we, do we do does he collapse on four twenty five?
1: That's you know what? It's the thing? I think I think it can qualify as sort of a prime that's the one where Tony Romo and Jim Nance are doing it. That that's okay. a medium prime like it's kind of a medium prime time. Medium I don't prime. know, you know, like does that medium. does that give you does stuff like that give you any pause or is it just like whatever, you know. I'm going with the matchup?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I don't even consider it. I mean, I think it's always kind of a stereotype at this point. I mean, Kirk can do just yeah. fine in prime time for fantasy and yeah. Obviously, losing games is different. But fantasy football, it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. Some of the best players in fantasy come from the worst teams. Blake Bortles.
1: The- so. Blake Bortles, baby. Garbage. Blake Garbage. Bortles. Yeah, Bortles. Legend. Legend. You know what I really like with the Vikings? And it it's, looks like it's transitioning into what I was expecting. Was that move to get TJ Hawkinson from the Lions? Great play by the Vikings. Because now what the problem was with Justin Jefferson, two up and down, a little bit of a roller coaster because Adam Thielen's not – that much of a threat. He's on the decline. KJ Osborne, who I like, but wasn't popping. And now you have TJ Hawkinson, who you have to respect. He can block, he can catch, he can be on the field the whole time. And we're in a small sample size. We're seeing that affect Justin Jefferson positively. So that's good for, for uh, guys who have shares with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that trade was really interesting for two reasons. Well, one, it was an interdivision trade. Yeah. Two, I think it says a lot about what the Lions thought about TJ Hawkinson, you know, to give him up to a division rival, I also think it says uh, a lot what they think about what they have in Jamison Williams, too, for the Lions. Stell has not played a single down in the NFL yet, but coming out of Alabama, the guy's a stud. Elite speed, uh, gears with the speed, too. Really good route running. I think he would have been the clear number one wide receiver in this draft class if he didn't get injured before the draft. He's going to be a game wrecker, and I think that when he returns to this Lions team, I don't know if it's going to be this year when he'll make an immediate impact, because he's still going to be coming off the injury, you know. But next season, I think that this Lions passing game is going to be scary. Even without TJ Hawkins, and with just Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe a little split out of the backfield. But I think it's really interesting that they the Lions gave away Hawkins. I mean, this was a guy who they drafted really early in the first round, just a few years ago, and he hasn't been struggling. You know, he's been playing quality football for the Lions. So I, I think it's really interesting that they gave him away to a division rival.
1: If you're in a dynasty league and you're a Monro Saint Brown owner, are you not giving them away? But are you listening to trade offers for the future, or do you think this is a case where you can both guys can eat? I think both guys can eat.
0: You know, I think I think we've been seeing that so far this season with uh, well, DJ Chark's been out for a while, yeah. Uh, but the, the other receiving options they've had there in Detroit have been doing pretty okay for fantasy, actually. Uh, you know. Uh, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond and DJ Chark, they've all had relevance at some points this season. They've been getting the targets. I think Amon Ra's target share isn't even that large. I mean, it's pretty large. It's definitely like top 20 in the NFL. But it's not like insanely huge. Like it's not like a 31% target share like CeeDee Lamb right now, who's leading the NFL or anything. But it's definitely up there. I think his opportunity is going to continue to be steady. And I also think the the loss of TJ Hawkinson is good news for Amon Ra. Because it it eliminates one mouth that they have to feed. Because you know Anyone can play tight end. You know, a, a tight end, like TJ Hawkinson's replacement opposed to TJ Hawkinson is going to be a lot worse. So, I mean, they're going to see a lot less targets. A lot of those targets are going to be going to Jameson Williams, going to whoever's playing the slot, like Cleve Raymond or Swift. Uh, but Amon is going to get his. You know, he's, he's proven himself to be a quality player who earns a lot of targets, and that's a skill. You know, uh, targets are earned, not given, is what we always say in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think Amon Ra has proven that. He's a really talented player. And I think his role is carved out in this offense. It may not be as good as it is this year. It's like a top 10 wide receiver when he's playing and healthy in PPR. But I think he'll definitely still at least be a top 20, top 15 wide receiver for the foreseeable future.
1: I'm with you. I I love that player. Such a talent. Luke, listen, tell us about Mojo, where people can find you. Uh, This Mojo thing you're working on, the more I look into it, the more interesting it becomes. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So Mojo is a sports stock market. It's like Robin Hood for athletes. It's really, really cool. It's currently only in New Jersey, but it's brand new. has over $100 million in funding, uh, founded by the owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves and Alex Rodriguez, found, uh, funded from organizations like the NFL Players Association. It's incredible. Uh, it's a really, really great app. You can download it anywhere now on the App Store. Uh, it's just Mojo, M-O-J-O, or look up Mojo Sports Stock Market or something like that for it to pop up. The logo is, like, green and blue. It's awesome. Um, you can go and buy and sell shares of players just like their stocks. And it the prices move based off of in-game performance and in stats and future stat predictions. So, basically, the way it works is when you buy and sell trades of players, like Tom Brady, for example, okay? His share price is, like, $171, by far the most expensive on the platform because he's been playing for so long. The way the stats work on Mojo and the prices work is when you accumulate stats, you earn banked value. And that banked value is money that you are guaranteed to receive when they retire. So like Tom Brady right now, his stock price is like $171. He's banked like $166. So if you retired today, you would receive $166. It's all intrinsic value based. It's all based on stats. It's not like NFTs or crypto where things can fluctuate in the market or things could crash or whatever. It is guaranteed paid out value. Uh, It's all based on stats. The only thing that moves is the future projected stats they earn and that's what causes the, the the share prices to go up and go down based off of few, future expectations. Like for example, if Tom Brady announced today that he was going to play three more seasons, his stock price would go up like $20 because right. he, he averages like $6 a season of his banked value. So that's how it works. Every NFL player for the most part is on there on offense, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, and what, uh, yeah, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends, and they also currently have college football, many more sports are coming such as you know, baseball, basketball, minor league baseball, all kinds of good stuff's going to be coming soon. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, go check it out on social media. It's at Mojo, M-O-J-O. Do a lot of social media stuff for them. And uh, big things are coming for them right now. Again, just only available in New Jersey. But I think they're expanding to, I believe, nine more states soon. So keep on okay. out for that. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, man, Beautiful, thanks so much man. for having me on. I appreciate it, Andy.
1: Absolutely. And hey, on uh, Twitter yourself, uh, you got a new article out right now, I believe, also from Mojo, at Luke Sawhook, so you can follow yes, you sir. there. Get all your content. Luke, always good catching up with you, man, despite your gear. Uh, we'll hey. talk to you next time. It's all love, man. Appreciate
0: it. All right, have a good
1: one. will see you. There. there he is. Luke Sawhook from Mojo. That Mojo thing sounds pretty cool. i have to look into that. It's pretty neat. Uh, all right. I want to get to back to a couple Browns, Bills, points, then we'll do fantasy football hashtag Ask Andy, our sick picks. Get you some NFL bets, some money, some tips, get you going there, but I want to go over some more Bills um, Brown stuff this week, as we know now, it will be played for sure in Detroit inside in a dome. That is terrible news for the Browns, really, folks. I was hoping for the, the Homer Simpson quote of the two sweetest words in sports default, default, just either something, an act of God, something would happen, and the Browns would be able to eke out a victory in the snow, like we mentioned before with Sal Capaccio, the snow game, whatever it might be. That's not going to happen. That is inside on turf. Not good for the Browns. Good for Nick Chubb if he's carrying the ball. That's fine. But not good for Josh Allen running, throwing. Probably worst case scenario. All time series record between Browns and Bills counting the postseason 13 to 9. Browns lead that. So, you know, whatever that means. Last time they met was November 10, 2019. Browns won that 19 to 16. And For the Bills, the offense, guess what it's ranked, people? Despite those three, uh, two interception games from Josh Allen, it's still ranked first. It's still ranked because he's fearless and he can chuck it all over the place. 10th rushing, second passing. Defense is eighth overall, seventh rushing, 14th passing, turnover differential, minus one. And a big difference has been Von Miller. Von Miller, not necessarily a lot of tackles, but impact plays sack after sack after sack he's coming in he's being the game wrecker and being a contributor in small doses something we haven't seen out of Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney I just really hope that this team can get themselves mentally back on track And, and folks this is this is just hope and that's the worst thing if you're a Browns fan right it's just well I hope this happens if if we're saying hope and if too much that's not good the Browns can win this game The path is there. The blueprint is there. Run. Pressure Josh Allen. Make him throw. Make him make mistakes. Make him panic. Make him feel like he's doing too much. How do you do that? Move Clowney and Garrett around. Inside to stop the run. Outside. Do that. The Browns. Here's another thing. The Browns only have three team interceptions. Total. Denzel Ward. Grant Delpa. AJ Green. Each have one. Each. There are individual players who have more interceptions than the Browns do as a team. They don't create turnovers. Well, you better start trying to create those turnovers real quick, real quick. And by quick, I mean this Sunday against the Bills. And again, you do that by pressuring, make the quarterback scramble, throw. You have talent, but Joe Woods' defense or the player's not listening to him or whatever it is, it's not working. You better get creative or Joe Woods, you're gone. And you probably are already. But at least go down swinging, man. Get creative. no tomorrow. you got to win this ball game. I want to know your predictions for this Sunday, this game between the Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern, Browns versus Lions. Hit me up on Twitter at AndyMC81 at SickPodBrowns. Make sure. Hey, leave in the comments section here as well. Subscribe. Click a like. Always like that. Let's get back to some fantasy football with Ask Andy. All right, there you go. Let's get to some tweets here. And remember, if I don't get to your tweets, I'll get to them after on Twitter. Oh, I've almost forgot too. We're going to be giving away. I'm going to make the announcement today. I'll give away the free all elite wrestling full gear pay-per-view from Fight TV. If you're outside the United States, we're going to be giving that away. And thanks to Wardlow. That was a ton of fun. Lots of you enjoyed that. Cleveland native Wardlow. That was great. All right, let's get to this one from John Miller, ninety three ninety three Andy. Kadarius Tony, Brandon Cooks, Garrett Wilson, DJ Moore. Full PPR, need to start three of them. Who do I bench? Hashtag AskAndy. Well, that Wilson issue playing the New York Jets really spooks me. Really spooks me. Um, and the reason is, like I was telling Luke, Zach Wilson has 16 career interceptions, Seven! Against Belichick. He's got their number. Robert Salah has done a great job coaching that team. Am I to expect, despite the record, that uh, the Jets are all of a sudden going to take over Belichick in New England at
0: Foxborough?
1: Uh -uh. No. Out of those three, I would sit Garrett Wilson for this week and uh, hope for the best outside of that. All right, let's get to the next one. Oh, it's a good one. From R. Rodriguez underscore zero 06, in the flex, James Robinson, Isaiah Pacheco, or Brian Robinson. I feel like JR has the most upside, but that Patriots DST is the only reason it has me wondering if it's best to avoid that matchup. Hashtag Ask Andy, hashtag sick pod Browns. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, I would take out the James Robinson and put in the Brian Robinson. Here's why. The Jets are facing a Patriots defense that has given up the fewest Fantasy points to running backs. You look at the commanders and Brian Robinson, they're facing the Houston Texans who have given up the most fantasy points to running backs. I'm not a mathematician, but those odds seem much better in the favor of Brian Robinson, who, by the way, last couple weeks has been hitting double-digit fantasy points last week, about 14 uh in PPR. So that's good with the progression. I still think you can play Antonio Gibson. Um, but Brian Robinson is a really nice play for him. So I like that. Let's get to one more. Okay, uh, at T Wolf 1979 got one that is baffling me. What do you think and why? Kadarius Tony versus LA Chargers or Garrett Wilson versus New England? Interested in hearing your thoughts. Hashtag Ask Andy. Here's the thing, folks. Okay, Kadarius Tony. I'm just gonna pull up his numbers here, so I have the exact things in front of me. I think Kadarius Tony, all the hype, all the love, premature. Okay, I think it's premature. Why? Well, um, he's done it for, oh, I don't know, uh, one game with the Chiefs. Uno. Uh. Ein. What other languages do I know? That's about it. Uh, one game. And it was against Jacksonville. Went for 19, 19 and a half fantasy. Play. Tremendous. Good. Chiefs are trying to use Kadarius Tony in the gadget way that they were using Tyreek Hill. That's the game plan. He's diverse. You can line him up in the backfield, hand him the ball, throw him the ball, toss him the ball, whatever. So I understand the path to it. That's, that's fine. But for uh, the Chiefs, you're playing the Chargers. They've, they're have they right at the top. They've twenty ranked 21st uh, most fantasy points to wide receivers. So bottom third to it. And again, you could categorize Tony as a weapon, not necessarily just a plain wide receiver. But I just want to feel more consistent with it. I want to feel more confident and see um, where he's at there. So I would just hesitate on that Kadarius-Tony play. And not saying you get rid of him, but wait and see. Now, if he comes out and we're seeing, wow, Now let's let's look at this, the stat lines here. Last week, two rushes, 33 yards, great. Five targets, four catches, and a touchdown. Cool. So you take away the touchdown. Um, you know, that's not great. For our first week, two t- uh, two catches. So now we need to see week three. Week one, getting into the offense, whatever. Week two, Great. If we see this target share go again, if he's getting four, or five catches, if it's going up, if he's getting more carries, we need to see. But if you have a better option and a more consistent option, I would go that route for sure. When it comes to um, Kadarius Tony and uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, just a lot of a lot of weapons there. Travis Kelsey, obviously the guy you're going to be popping to there. Um, and I wanted to get to as well um, for the tight ends. I said this on Tuesday's show, but in case you guys. Didn't hear. Trey McBride, okay, number one, if you need tight end help, Trey McBride, get him from the Arizona Cardinals, replacing the injured Zachards. Cole Komet, if he's still floating around there. Ooh, stack him up. Stack him up with Justin Fields. And by the way, if you listen to old Andy, I say Christian Watson was not fool's gold. what do he do? Two more touchdowns. We're seeing the new star in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has his guy. I'm calling it. Okay, I called it Tuesday before Thursday's game, so I called it earlier. I'm double calling it. That's his guy. Aaron Rodgers has been desperately seeking a playmaker. Without Devontae Adams, Christian Watson has arrived. Just saying. All right, let's get let's make some money, baby. Let's get some NFL best bets. It's time for sick picks. There we go, and this is coming from our friends at Betfred Sports. Betfred Sports. Coming to Ohio January first when betting gets all opened up. But Betfred Sports, make sure you're checking them out on socialmedia.com. We're gonna have some fun giveaways as well coming in from them over the next few weeks. So stay tuned. But Betfred Sports, make sure you keep an eye on that. All right. So we're looking at a uh, couple of my sick picks. I keep mentioning New England versus New York, Patriots versus Jets, guys. You might not make a ton of money on it, but uh, go in New England. And actually, the line. For them to cover the uh, three and a half, not, like I would probably take him if it was seven, but three and a half against the Jets in Foxborough, when Belichick has your number, paying out minus 105. Now, not bad, not bad. Yeah, I I wouldn't uh, be touching the money line at all, but the uh, Patriots to cover the three and a half, I would take that pretty, pretty comfortably. I think we're doing that. Um, commanders versus Texans. Boy, now you can make an argument that the Commanders, coming off that big win against Philly and the Eagles, are they going to be full of themselves? The Texans are still just not that good. Uh, minus one ten again. Not not a super exciting bet, but I think you uh, you stay away. I'm saying this: Giants versus Lions, plus one forty for the Lions. Giants at home. It's outside. It's going to be sloppy. I know. I'm feeling the Lions. I'm feeling the Lions. They're just they're just that tricky enough team and. The Giants, as impressive as they've been, I shouldn't earn the respect of just being automatic. So I'm going to say Lions, money line, plus 140. Lions, money line, plus 140. I really like. And also the uh, Bears, three point underdogs to the Falcons. Why? Why? Justin Fields is tearing it up. Now, the Falcons, to their credit, have found ways to win. It hasn't necessarily been pretty, but I don't feel. I'm not afraid of the uh, Falcons defense. Bears to win outright, plus 140. I'm smashing that. That's my smash sick pick. Smash it. Have to get a gavel. Smash that. Plus 140 uh, to win outright. Makes a ton of sense. And then, yeah, the uh, I was going to try to get cute. Ravens versus Panthers. Ravens, straight up money line, minus 805. Can you imagine? That's pretty much like they're telling you. Vegas is telling you. Don't. Don't bet them to win. The Panthers aren't winning that game, so don't get cute there. But I really like the Bears straight up to win that money line plus 140. So there you go. Okay, people, I want to get to the winner of All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling, are full gear winner. I'm going to pick my guy right here. Let's see. Let's find the – and all you had to do was retweet. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow along. And you win. Full gear this Saturday on Fight TV outside of the United States. So in Canada, UK, Mexico, there's a bunch of places where uh, it's not available as well, mainly in, in Asia and all that. Um, so if you're you know not in the United States, Fight TV is the place to get it. We're going to put in the description of the show as well. We're going to pop right in it. If you don't win, you can still order it. And it's going to be a heck of a pay-per-view. The elite are back. It was announced on Dynamite, on Death Triangle, for the trios championship, phenomenal. That's Kenny Omega. That's the Young Bucks making their triumphant return. Gonna be amazing. Our guy Wardlow, who's on the show last week from Cleveland, Wardlow, triple threat for the TNT title. That match is worth the price of admission alone against Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. Those are three big daddies that are just gonna be banging. It's gonna be amazing. So order the pay-per-view, fight TV. The link is right below. Fight TV. This Saturday night, November 19th. But the winner of the free Full Gear pay-per-view is Whippy Mike. Whippy Mike from Twitter. Whippy Mike is the winner of Full Gear uh, from Fight TV. So congratulations. We'll send you that code. Uh, Mike from Whippy. Whippy Mike, thank you very, very much for participating, for following. And folks, make sure you're still following Along, There's going to be lots more prizes and giveaways to come over the coming weeks of this Brown season. So there you go, folks. For Sal Capaccio, for Luke Sawhook, for Sammy, for everybody, I'm Andy (sighs) McNamara. Going to be a tough one in Detroit. Browns versus Bills. You've been watching The Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. Go Browns! And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.